Hello and welcome to the Wicked Things Podcast. The story you're about to listen to is called Small Town Kids. If you like stories like Stranger Things, The Goonies, or The Explorers you are gonna love this. Afterward, feel free to drop by our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages or even leave a little message below. If you really enjoy our content check us out on Patreon. The front door of the house burst open. A small blonde girl wearing a pith helmet and cargo shorts marches onto the large porch. Her eyes open wide and an impish grin filled her features. Butter! Ava said, leaping from the porch high above the ground. She soared far beyond the edge of the wooden front porch, landing in the high-piled snow concealing the front yard. Strands of Ava's blonde hair peeked out from under her father Tim's pith helmet. No matter the weather, Ava loved wearing the helmet, work boots, with cargo vest and shorts. Ava loved the way Tim's clothes made her feel closer to him, no matter how far away he was. Ava tumbled beneath the snow. She peeked her head out of the top of the snow, spotting friends walking by Ava's house on their way to school. That was outstanding, Ava said, making sure her enthusiasm was loud enough for everyone to understand. The friends paused long enough to laugh and point at Ava's expected shenanigans. Willow jerked down her black hoodie and wool scarf. Are you coming to school today? Willow asked, knowing full well that Ava's mom needed a break from keeping up with her daughter's boundless energy and curiosity. Ava pokes her head out of the frosty mound's top. Ava said, Yep, all set. You guys want to race? My new shoes make me run super fast. No, we're not in the mood today. Too cold this morning, Carl said, after taking a long drink from his thermos full of hot chocolate. Didn't you watch the movie last night? Mrs. Ryder told us to make sure we did. You know, she's going to want us to write about the movie, Carl said. He watches Ava running in circles around them. Carl stops Ava, sticking his foot out into her path. Clancy shrugs in response to Carl's question. Clancy shifts the denim school bag strap to keep it from slipping off his shoulder, saying, My dad says in a nuclear war, we'd be little more than ashes on the ground. Ava leaps from the snowbank, landing like her favorite comic book hero pose. She leaps to her feet after landing. Her clenched fists rested against her hips as she also puffed out Ava's chest. Ava pauses, allowing the wind to toss her blonde hair. Ava remains unaware of her mother's arrival moments before. Her smile fades as Mike gestures for Ava to turn around. Ava finds herself on the wrong side of her mom's ambush attack. But she remains determined to not go down without a fight. Ava said, no. Ava's mother finishes dressing her daughter in cold weather clothing, backpack, and thrusts a brown bag lunch into her hands. She snarls at her mom through narrowed eyes and her jaw pushed out, baring her bottom teeth like a wild animal. Ava folds her arms, pouting about her loss. All the children's eyes were wide, and their hands covered gaping mouths. Willow moved her hand away long enough to point at June, laughing out loud at Ava. Ava pounced onto June. The two friends wrestled on top of the salted sidewalk. The kids pulled the two of them apart. Ava still swinging her clenched fists at June. 
June stood up, knocking snow and grass from the knees of her pants. All right, you two, that's about enough, Zack said. You're going to make us late again. I want no more detentions, he says and points in the school's direction. The throng of friends continues their journey to school, conceding to Zack's truth. Ava shivered in the cold, but it left her attitude unchallenged by the weather. She narrowed her eyes, examining the exterior of every house they passed. Ava said, I want to fight a snow monster like in the Empire Strikes Back. June shivered at hearing Ava's observation. June rubbed her hands against her shoulders in search of more warmth. She said, I hope the school heater is working today. Carl asks, laughing at Ava. Carl asked, You're just a girl. What would you do if you met a snow monster? Luke Skywalker needed a lightsaber. What have you got? Ava stepped between Carl and the school crossing light. Evil was alive in the devious little girl's expression. Ava said, This! Carl recoiled, shaking his head in a defiant no, but was far too slow. He clenched his teeth and his eyes. He tried to raise his arms to deflect the incoming blow. Carl realizes at that moment, this is going to hurt. Wham! Ava slugs Carl hard. She was not the type to slap or scratch in a fight. Ava pivoted, throwing her full weight behind her haymaker. With his arms held high, her strike lands true, dropping Carl with the unexpected punch. Carl dropped like a sack of nickels against the sidewalk, gasping while holding his twig and berries. Carl said, I hate you, Ava. He rolled around on the ground, moaning like a wounded animal, surrounded by the worst predators nature could ever conceive of, children. The other children laughed and pointed at Carl on the ground, spitting curses at Ava. The rest of his friends found amusement in his crotch's trauma. LaDonna, the school crossing guard, ran from the crossing lights to the children. She took a knee next to Carl, trying to help the young boy back to his feet. You okay? LaDonna said, turning and pointing at Ava. Ava, you could hurt him. I have to report this, which means your mama's going to talk to the principal. Mike, Zach, and LaDonna hoisted Carl back up to his feet. LaDonna pulled out a detention slip notebook. LaDonna asked Ava, I don't understand. What were you thinking? Clancy said, nodding. My dad says that commies are taking over the country. Mike recoils at the offhand remark and manipulates his spiked goth hairdo. He asks Clancy, Are you dumb or something? Clancy smiles broadly. He knows he has discovered a weakness in his friend's emotional armor. He leans in close, whispering, My dad says Ronald Reagan's the devil and is going to hand over our country to China. Other children waiting at the crossing light continue talking about the movie show last night, the day after. The conversations show the terror in the school-aged children's voices and imaginations. LaDonna shakes her head, seeing the terror on the children's faces. She asks, maintaining a mask of genuine concern. Your parents let you catch the media shower last night? I gathered it was quite the show. 
The only thing on TV in my house was the football game. My dad didn't let me check out the movie, Carl said, shrugging off the crossing guard's questions. Mike chuckles and declares with a wagging finger. What? In a nuclear strike, we'd just be a greasy dark spot on the wall. Ashes, nothing to worry about. Over in a flash. The mob of children stares at Mike with their mouths hanging open, shattering revelation to their worlds, real or imagined. LaDonna waved the children to cross the street as she stopped the traffic in front of the middle school. A handful of children wept at the observation. My dad says the commies are going to nuke strike us at any moment. That isn't news to me, Clancy said, clearing his throat. He smiles at the opportunity to announce his father's facts for all to learn. Everyone crossing the road stops, including LaDonna, and stares at Clancy. Most wear terrified expressions on their faces, brought on by his words and the thought of what his story means to their lives. Clancy rushes past the others to the opposite sidewalk. He said, facing his peers, Ha! Everyone's just now catching up to what me and my dad already know. Yeah, Clancy, I guess in your family, you kind of get used to living with the sword of Damocles hanging overhead, Mike said, stepping onto the school's front sidewalk. Clancy could overhear the voices of other children and could not help himself. He leaned closer to hear what they were all talking about. The two groups of children merged into a larger group, making their way to school. I don't know about the movie. My mom saw a meteor change directions during the meteor shower last night. She made my dad call the police, Zack said, making sure everyone crossing could hear him. What happened? June asked, adjusting the black frame glasses higher on her face with a single index finger. June rubbed her chin as she drifted in and out of deep thought. You didn't notice it. Me, my mom, and dad viewed it from my bedroom window. The police helicopter shot it down with rockets and stuff. Pow, pow, boom, crash. Those aliens never stood a chance, Ava said, acting out shooting guns into the sky above her head. The children froze in place, hearing the first bell ring. The group of kids turned to face Weissfield Middle School, expressions of pure dread glued to each face. In a burst of movement, the throng of children rushed the front doors. The much-hated, gruesome twosome of safety patrol raised their arms to defend against the mob's entry. There was little they could do. The wave of students washed them aside and flooded every hallway between classes. Gary and Glenn helped one another off the ground and back to their feet, dusting off their blue jumpers and pulling up their knee-length white socks. The students laughed and pointed as they passed the twins. The twins knew they would make the friends pay. Ava and her friends always received detention because of not obeying any of the school rules. They opened their detention books and wrote out several slips. Glenn and Gary slink back into the darkness, lingering at the edge of long school hallways. Glenn said to Gary, We'll get them, brother. Just observe, and you'll learn. The school's PA system crackles to life, grabbing all the children's attention. The principal states clear and in a monotone voice, All students will report to their classrooms. The teachers have received a final count from last month's raffle. 
Each winner will need to check with the front office for your prices. We appreciate everyone's help with the fundraiser. Thank you. Mrs. Ryder's classroom was filled with youthful energy with the return of students after the three-day weekend. The children's chatter merged into a chorus of loud nonsense. Ava and Clancy are the last two to enter ahead of their teacher. Take your seats, she announces, crossing the room and placing her things on her wide wooden desktop. The mockery and shenanigans end with the teacher's entrance. She grasps the ring of the pull blind, revealing a map of the world. Mrs. Ryder turns to face the children, but causes them all to recoil. Mrs. Ryder has replaced her usual scowl with a sinister smile. The teacher then asked, I assumed everyone checked out the movie last night as I asked you to? The children have imagined that the only thing colder than her classroom is the teacher's heart. They look at the steam rises from the teacher's mouth after making her statement. Each child shivering in their seats. Mrs. Ryder inches and rubs the bridge of her nose, seeing the children's reactions. She storms across the room, stopping next to the thermostat on the wall. Mrs. Ryder said, I want each of you to raise your hand if you saw the movie. Most of the students raise their hands in response. Mrs. Ryder points out the children not raising their hands. She said, any of you with your hands up may trade seats with someone who doesn't. Ava said, moaning at the teacher's words, that's not fair. I have sat away from the window all year. You want to punish me by making me sit next to the window because I didn't watch a movie? It's freezing over there. Mrs. Ryder said, nodding in agreement. Look, I am turning on the heat. It should reach a good 50 degrees in here by day's end. Ava, swap places with Tommy. Ava glares at Tommy. The anger behind her eyes causes the young boy to cringe and plead. Mrs. Ryder, please don't make me do this, please. She's going to hurt me at recess if I do this. The older students have gathered inside their classrooms as well. Most of the students discuss the previous night's required viewing. Knowing how important the film topic would be, the teachers ask their students to watch it. Except for one teacher, Mr. Paulson. The students examined the rotund Sicilian man entering the classroom. Mr. Paulson inspected the door handle. His eyes darted around the school courtyard, beyond the frosty glass from next to his classroom coat rack. Afterward, he took off his overcoat and jacket, careful to dust each off three times, causing them to flap a bit. He placed them on the coat rack and then removed his hat. He shook it free of snow and placed his hat atop the coat rack. Finally, he removes his thick black and gray striped wool scarf, wrapping it around the jacket rack below his hat. Mr. Paulson asked, turning to the students in the classroom, Are we ready to begin this week's lessons? All the students had heard the rumors about Mr. Paulson claiming that he was a retired mobster in protective custody, only posing as a teacher. They did what they could to keep him happy at all costs. In fear, they would end up on the wrong side of a mob hit. Good, good. Let's start with the events of the weekend, Mr. Paulson said. The movie? Mike asked, shrugging. 
Of course not. They never meant for kids to see that movie. Two hours of poor Steve Gutenberg being tormented in national television. Unforgivable. I was referring to the meteor shower. A proper parent would have forced their child to see that movie, Mr. Paulson said, observing the children recoil at his opinionated statement. Good, because my dad watched football almost all weekend long, Mike said. Sorry, I had my Dungeons and Dragons game, and, and we missed it. But Zack made love ten. Everyone else is still level nine, Willow said with a half-hearted shrug. My dad and I watched it. I don't know what everyone was all crazy about. The soldiers on base talk about war all the time, Zack said. I tried to see. The snowfall made it hard for our antenna to get a good picture, one girl said. The PBS star Chaser told us where to look to catch the meteor shower. I couldn't see a thing through the falling snow, the boy said, shaking his head no. Did you notice the spaceship last night? Another girl asked as voices filled the room with chatter. That's crap. My mom said it was a weather balloon like that town, you know, you know, the one from that town. Over that way, another boy said, waving towards the edge of town. Across the hallway, a different discussion takes place. Not one of intellect or book smarts. Rather, a bunch of wild monkeys trying to wave their way with an unmolested football. Mrs. Ryder silenced the mob of children, saying, Sit down right now, all of you! Ava laughs and points at Mrs. Ryder's emotional outburst. She chalks it up as a small win for her against authority. Ava said, Gotcha now, you old witch! Ever the professional, Miss Ryder asks, waving off the child's attempt to push her further, Did everyone in here catch the movie? The movie showed us our near future. If humanity doesn't change its ways, Clancy says, scratching his head, you make my dad sound kind of normal. Mrs. Ryder huffs and points to the chalkboard. She writes out the day's work plan for the children. She said, clearing her throat, your job today is to write a two-page essay explaining what you watched and how it made you feel. After you've written your pages and turned them in, go outside for recess. Clancy's hand rockets high into the air and waves to seize Mrs. Ryder's attention. He said, I, I didn't see it because my dad says TV is bad for you and the government is always watching us. My dad just doesn't like TV and radio signals altering our minds. Your father doesn't want you to know about nuclear war? Mrs. Ryder asked. Clancy said, shaking his head. No, he's always talking about it. Oh, right. That's what the movie was about. Ava asks, perking up. Okay, how much truth do you want us to write about? Clancy asked, pausing for instruction. After a minute or two, Clancy continues. I mean, I guess I could write how the Soviets will enter the USA through the fold gap, or how they will launch nukes at everyone. You know what they say, dogs always poop together. The 57th Guard will enter through Nuremberg, followed by the 3rd Armored Division defending Frankfurt. But... That makes no sense, since they're going to nuke the whole thing. Mrs. Ryder gestures for the excited, hyperactive ten-year-old to return to his seat. She said, Clancy, please, for the love of God, just write the paper already. I'm sorry, Mrs. Ryder, but Dad says I need to talk out loud while I write. That way, it's easier for me to remember what I'm supposed to be writing about. Dad says I get confused easily. 
Clancy says, continuing his previous outburst. Ava stares at the school playground outside through the single-pane school glass window. Her daydream comes crashing to an end as Mrs. Ryder's cruel yard-long ruler slams down on top of her hands. The teacher asks, Well, Ava, are you paying attention now? In an instant, Ava leaps from her seat, her hands trembling at her sides. She allows her tears to fall, staying silent before her mouth writes another check her butt can't cash. She screams at Mrs. Ryder, Hag! Mrs. Ryder seizes Ava's ear, taking control of the classroom in a single motion. She pulls the young girl behind her into the hallway outside the classroom. She closes the door, pointing the end of the yardstick at Ava. Mrs. Ryder forces a handful of blank writing paper into Ava's aching hands, along with a pencil. Mrs. Ryder says, Can you explain to me what you think you're doing in my classroom, acting that way? I see your mom every Sunday in church. She needs to consider bringing you. Maybe they can get whatever it is in your little ass under control. Okay, my mom and dad throw me outside all the time. I don't think they like me much. Ava says, seeking to shock her teacher. Mrs. Ryder grabs Ava by the wrist and leads her into the classroom, stopping next to her desk. She jots a note and staples it to Ava's shirt. She says, You make sure your mother gets that note. I am sure she will want to talk to me about your behavior. I don't think my mom will see your note. She's always at the bar. The people in there pay her to show her boobies. Ava said, looking for smiles from her peers. Clancy leads the classroom in laughter at the cruel remark about her mother. Ava, put your head down on your desk right now. I don't want to see you lift your head off that desk. That is, until it is lunchtime or I say otherwise, Mrs. Ryder says, glaring at the rest of the students inside the chilly classroom. Mrs. Ryder points at Clancy and then gestures for him to join Ava at the front of the classroom. She said to Clancy, I have decided it. You're going to help Ava and me with correcting our classroom's little attitude issue. Clancy shrugs and strolls to the front of the classroom. He spots movement outside in the snow and crouches low under the window ledge. Clancy glances outside after passing beneath the window ledge, but sees nothing this time. He whispers, shaking his head. Nah, not possible. Who would be outside in the snow? Mr. Sullivan, stand up and straighten your back. Stick out your arms to your sides. Mrs. Ryder picks up two medium-sized books. She places one in each of his outstretched hands. Clancy asks, glancing out the window. My dad says snipers can get you standing in the open like this. Can I please crouch down to make this shot harder? Mr. Sullivan, I think your dad is a lunatic, but thanks to Ava, you're going to hold these books in the air until Ava's attitude changes, or until maybe you and her other friends can help change her attitude, Mrs. Ryder said, settling down into her chair. Oh no, Ava, I'll behave forever, Clancy whimpers his objection to Ava's shenanigans as he struggles to keep the books held high in front of the classroom. Ava cheers for Clancy, keeping her nose on her desktop. That ain't nothing. Clancy, you got grit. Don't let her break you. Well, that was certainly something. We hope you enjoyed listening. 
So, until next time. This is the Wicked Things Podcast signing off.